Well, good morning. I am honored to be here, and I don't want to waste too much time with introductions and that sort of stuff, but uh, I love this school. I love teaching here. I just do not have enough time always to do what I want to do, but it's been a great thrill to know some of you and get to know you better. Uh, Jim Carlson's a friend. I think he's just awesome. And uh, so we're just uh, co-laborers in the, in the harvest. Uh, powerful things happen when the Word of God and the people of God and the Spirit of God come together at the same time. And so I want us to have now a moment of anticipation. Uh, and that's what I was thinking and about you know, how to open everything when we were singing and so on. Uh, to have a moment of anticipation as God, God will, will, will speak to us through his word and through his spirit as we gather together as God's people. And uh, just a phrase came to mind from the call of Samuel. Remember, we met with Eli. And, and something he, he said in response is, is this, Speak, Lord, uh, thy servant is listening. Would you recite that with me? Speak, Lord, Speak, Lord. Thy, servant is listening. thy servant is listening. So let's have our ears attuned to what the Holy Spirit would have to say to us. And we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 1 and the call of Jeremiah. And one of the things we're going to walk away with is seeing that a personal God calls people to a personal ministry. A personal God calls a people to a personal ministry. And we see this in Jeremiah chapter 1. And I go back in this text, uh, having, you know, I'm 54 now and having walked with Jesus uh, pretty much my whole life. I came to Christ when I was seven. Um, there, there are certain texts that are just very memorable, very special, and this is one of them to me. It was in 1979, 35 years ago. I had finished my first year of college, a community college. I had really no idea what I was going to do as far as career. I was working at United Parcel Service in St. Louis area at that time, and it just so happened that a coworker of mine, my manager, my direct manager over me, was a Christian. Ray Cruzy was his name. One night, I worked the night shift. I was sorting packages, and our job was to look at the zip codes and put them on one of like seven different belts, colored belts, according to their particular zip code. This was way before scanning and all of that. You had to, so you had to memorize that this zip code went on the yellow belt, and this one went on the blue belt, and you memorized all these different ones. So I was sitting there sorting the packages that I came off, putting on the appropriate belt, and, and, and Ray Cruzy came up to me. And uh, because of union laws, we couldn't work at the same time. And he said, stop working. And he started sorting. And as he was sorting, he goes, you know, I read Jeremiah chapter 1 the other night. It was an amazing text. I had no idea what Jeremiah 1 really said. And so that night I got off work. I went to bed and I turned my light on, opened my Bible up, and I read Jeremiah 1 for the first time that I remember it, re- reading it. I really, and, and that was that moment where the Word of God and the Spirit of God, just the Lord spoke clearly. So here's, here's the text that, that, uh, that we came to. And, and it begins with this, with the introduction in, in verse 1. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anathoth, in the ter- territory of Benjamin, the word of the Lord came to him. In the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Amnon, Ammon, excuse me, a king of Judah. And first of all, we see just this that God's word came to him. The, the, the words of Jeremiah. This is this is the introduction to the book, and we're going to see the word of the Lord came to him. So he's starting off. This book is the words of Jeremiah, and then he refers back to this 
word of the Lord coming to him in the 13th year. Now, one of the things that uh, catches my interest now is that he was one of the, uh, Hilkiah, his, his father was one of the priests, so he was a PK, a priest kid, which, was, which is ironic because I'm a, pre, a pastor's kid. Uh, so it was very relevant to me that this priest kid this was reading the words of, this pastor's kid was reading the words of this priest kid. Uh, he grew up in the ministry, and I grew up in the ministry, and probably one of the, one of the greatest hurdles for my acceptance of pastoral ministry that I had overcome was that I grew up in it because I knew what it was like. I, I really had very few misconceptions about what pastoral ministry was like because I lived it. I saw it. I knew it. I heard it. I, I saw the, the good and bad of it. And I really didn't want to go into pastoral ministry. And he says, The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of Josiah. Josiah was the last of the, the righteous kings of Judah. Going on to verse 3, and, and through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, uh, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah. So this would have been 586 B.C. Uh, the call uh, came in 627 B.C. So this is a period of 41 years we're looking at here. And, and then he goes, when the people of Jerusalem went into the exile. So uh, Josiah was the last of the best kings. He was with one of the greatest kings of Israel, of Judah. I should correct myself. And he was, he was also there at the worst time when they were carried off into captivity for a period of like 41 years. And, and I, I emphasize vocally a couple of things. I don't know if you caught it or not, but, it, but these two little phrases, and through down to. What's that referencing? And through, down to. It's referencing the word of God coming to him. The, the word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year, and, and, then, and then through the reign of Jehoiakim, even the word of the Lord came down to the time of uh, the people going into the, the, the captivity. And one of the things I just noticed in my recent study of this is how he says, God spoke, God's word kept coming to me for 41 years. And, and God's word came to me when it was great, when Josiah was in office. It, it came to me at the lowest point of the, of the history of Judah when they were carried off into exile. That there was this constancy over 41 years. The word of the Lord just kept coming and coming and coming. Uh, it's been 35 years since I said yes to Jesus' call in pastoral ministry. Of course, I wasn't, didn't go into it, but I said yes to the call. And I can clearly say 35 years of ministry, the word of the Lord just keeps coming. It just, he just keeps speaking, speaking through the word of God, speaking in his, his spirit. He, he just keeps doing his work of communicating. He continues to draw us to himself. So here's a personal call. Verse 4, the, the, the word of the Lord came to, to me. This is a, a, a personal call by a personal God to a person singular. And God speaks to you and to me. And, and he spoke to him. And this is uh, and the message to the individual saying this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So this is preconception. So even before he was conceived, he says, I knew you. The word knew, the, knew uh, there is the Hebrew word yada. You know, like yada, yada, yada. And it means I, I know intimately, I, I know personally. I knew you before you were you. 
I knew you before you were formed in the, your mother's womb. And Ephesians 1 tells us that he knew us in him before the foundation of the world. Go to Genesis 1.1. And a little bit before that, he knew you. That's mind-boggling. And here he says, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. And then it says, before you were born, I set you apart. And this is that idea of selection. And I set you apart for a purpose. What's the purpose? I set you apart. I, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So he told him what he was supposed to do and where he's supposed to go. Here's your job. This is what you're set apart to do. You're to be a prophet. You're, you're to be my spokesperson. And, and your ministry sphere is the nations. So at the very beginning, he had real clarity that God knew who he was. He wanted him, and he had a very clear job to do. And that's empowering. It's empowering for me to say this. I am a pastor at the Evangelical Free Church. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I know where I'm supposed to do it. You know, you don't always know that. Sometimes it takes a while to get to that point. But I know what I'm supposed to do, and I know where I'm supposed to do it. And I can say to myself, I am doing what God created me to do in the place he wants me to be. That's powerful. And, and he gave him that, that understanding, that confidence that you're supposed to do this, a prophet, and this is a sphere of your ministry to the nations. And here we receive that call, that internal nudge, that sense of oughtness, that clarity of what God had created him to do. It is his personal call to a personal ministry. It was very clear. And God, in his sovereignty and his intentionality, says, I have selected you. I formed you. I knew you. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet of the nations. This is all God's sovereign activity. What's Jeremiah done at this point? Not a thing. Our salvation is all of God. Our call is all of God as well. We're, we're the passive participants. He shaped us. He formed us. He appointed us. This is the sovereign work of God at this point. So what happens to, to uh, Jeremiah uh, really happens to you. In some way, the Holy Spirit comes, takes his word, puts this sense of oughtness, this calling, this, the old word was this unction, that this is what you have to do. This is what you've been formed to do. He, he knew you. It is the place that you're to be and to serve. And it's okay if you don't know that now. I didn't know it at 19. And it's a process. And there's times of uncertainty, confusion, frustration, and clarifying your call. If you don't know, Chill out. God will tell you it's his job. But God calls people, and he prepares us for the work. I I couldn't help but think of Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork. What was the phrase he used? I formed you in the womb. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to to do good works. I appointed you, which God prepared in advance for us to do before we were conceived, before the foundation of the world. We were appointed in advance for God, for work for us, God to do, for us to do, excuse me. 
So uh, what happened to Jeremiah happens to you. And, and he, then he does what is such a common response when you're called by God. And when I read this in 1979, I did exactly what Jeremiah did. Now, Jeremiah was probably a young man at this point because, you know, he prophesied for 41 years. So we can say he might have been your age, uh, 20s or whatever. And and so God speaks to him, and, and his response is so common. He says, alas, sovereign God, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. There are three common responses. We'll see one later on. Two are pretty clear right there. We'll see the third one here in a, in, a, in a minute. But there are three common responses when a sovereign God calls you to a, a particular ministry, a, a call to work. The three responses is a sense of inadequacy, a sense of inexperience, and a sense of insecurity. Uh, look what he says. Inadequacy. I do, not, I do not know how to speak. I don't know how to do this prophet stuff. I do not know how to speak. What do prophets do? They speak. I don't know how to speak. And, and there's this overwhelming sense of inadequacy. Uh, one of the things I grew up with was just a low self-esteem. And uh, I remember when, when I was reading this text for the first time, it was like, yeah, he's just saying what I say. I don't know how to do this. I don't have the chops. I don't have what it takes. I had never spoken in public except for a speech class in college. That was my only experience to public speaking. And I was terrified by it. And the other thing is this inexperience. I'm too young. And this Hebrew word can refer to someone in their late teens or their 20s. And then later on in verse 8, you're going to see his insecurity. It's not mentioned, but God mentions it. He says, do not be afraid. And he's just a typical guy. You don't admit that you're afraid, but God knew it. And he said, and don't be afraid. And these three things, you know, if you want to use a track metaphor, between the start line, starting line of obedience to your call, and the finish line of finishing well what God called you to do, for most of us, there's three big hurdles that we have to overcome. This hurdle of a sense of inadequacy, this, this sense of inexperience, and this insecurity, this fear that we have to overcome to fulfill what God's called us to do. So, so what happens now is a promise, and God makes a promise, and what he does is he looks at these three hurdles and he just kind of like removes them one at a time. He, he, he listens to his, his excuses, understands his fearful heart, and he addresses each of them. And, and here's what he says. First, he addresses the uh, hurdle of inexperience, uh, verse 7. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. What is the uh, solution to inexperience? Experience. The, the solution to inexperience is just experience experiences and start doing stuff. That's the only way you get over inexperience. You just start doing. And he says, don't say you're too young. I want you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say whatever I command you. And I want you to go to everyone I send you. Go and say, go and say. And for me to, to, to be at this point in my life, I had to just stand up and, and, 
and preach for that first message. And it was terrifying. My mom says it was seven minutes long. I think it was an hour. It was the most terrifying thing. But it was, it was a holy moment. My second sermon was worse than the first. I have stories about the second one. And, and it's amazing that, that I'm still up here doing this. But it's because God called me to this. And he said, the way to overcome experience is you must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you to. Um, I, I started my first full-time senior, well, I wasn't senior pastor, solo pastor, in 1991 at the age of 30. And I had interviewed for the position. Uh, uh, you know, I did the candidate sermon, and they had the congregational meetings and all that. We were living in St. Louis. This was in Arkansas where the church was at the time. So we had, we had driven back to St. Louis and, and waiting for the church to decide. Turner Tallickson was the interim pastor at the church that, that eventually called me. And they had the congregational meetings. Well, what do you think about this guy? And uh, one person reportedly, I don't know who it was, said, he seems so young. And Turner Tallickson was like in his 60s, seasoned, season pastor. He, he said to the person, don't worry, he'll grow out of it. <laughs> I stayed there 13 years. When I left, no one said, he's so young. And that church took a chance on an inexperienced uh, minister, and I'm forever indebted to them because I was too young. I was too dumb, uh, but God used me anyway. And and so one of the things is this this inexperience. The second hurdle is the hurdle of, of insecurity. We're here just fearful. He says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. The next thing to overcome in reference to the personal call of God is just your fear. Fearful people never fulfill God's work and will in their life. Fearful people always stay grounded. Fearful people never venture out into God's great unknown and fulfill their purpose. And every, every great servant of God, I believe, has had to overcome that fear. And every time I've challenged my fear and listened to the Holy Spirit's call rather than the self, I've been thankful for it. And it, and it doesn't end. I still struggle with fear. Uh, uh, I did a fearful thing like nine months ago, a big thing, and God blessed it, and I'm thankful for it. And, and you have to overcome that fear. And, and this is why he says, do not pray, be afraid of them. And there's two reasons why. Uh, I am with you and will rescue you. Uh, first of all, there's the presence of God. I will be with you. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I, don't, I don't know if I would sign up for a job where part of it, God says, oh, and by the way, I'll rescue you. You get where I'm going? What does that imply? Yeah. But God's up front. He goes, I'm going to call you to some hard stuff, and it's going to be really, really hard. And in that, I will rescue you as well. It's like on the front end, embedded in it, 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 there, it's that warning. 
in this world you will have tribulations. And, and if, if you obey God's call, you're going to have some really hard things happen to you. And he'll rescue you. And, and fearful people run from the hard. And they never fulfill what God's called them to do. And, and the promise isn't it's going to be easy. He says, no, I'm going to rescue you. I will be with you and I will rescue you. And, and now here, here it is 35 years later since God called. Because this was the text that caused me to say, that prompted me to say yes to his call. Uh, 35 years later, there has been so many times I just want to quit. And I'm th- so thankful I haven't. And he's rescued me each and every time. And I can confidently say he's always been with me. So he offered his presence and he offered his protection. I will rescue you. And then, then the third area is this, this, just a sense of inadequacy. Uh, then the Lord reached out his hand and, and, and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. You know, this may have been a vision he was having. Or, or maybe it was some uh, theophany, an incarnation. But in some way, though, wouldn't that have been a powerful moment when the God of the universe touches your mouth? Can you imagine that? God just stops, puts his hand out, and puts it right on him. Either the vision or whether it was a physical touch, we don't know. And remember his excuse in verse 6, I don't know how to speak. Well, God takes care of it. I'll put my word in your mouth. You don't have to know how to speak. You just, I'll give you the words. So this is the, this is the I think this is humorous to me. The guy who said, I don't know how to speak. He wrote the longest prophetic book in the Old Testament. I don't know how to speak. His book has 1,364 verses. In fact, in the Old Testament, the phrase, Thus saith the Lord, is found 349 times. Jeremiah uses this 157 times. He, uh, his book opens with the words of Jeremiah. This is the guy who didn't know how to speak. In the words of Jeremiah... And I think this is what I I, I see. For a guy who didn't know how to speak, he sure had a lot to say. And that first message I preached was seven minutes long. I never have that problem anymore. (laughs) I've always, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God has always given me something to say. And I can say after, I I think you, you seasoned pastors, it's like, Every time I feel like God has spoken through me. That God has given me the words to say. I I cannot recall a time where I get out of the pulpit and I go, well, that was a waste of time. But God has spoken through. And that's a powerful thing. So the personal God calls you a personal ministry, provides you for what you need to do. In verse 10, see today I appoint you uh, over nations and kingdoms. Remember, he was appointed to be a prophet to the nations. Chapters 46 through 51 in the book of Jeremiah, he speaks God's word to nine surrounding nations. He was a missionary. 
He fulfilled what God had called him to do. And this is what he said, to, to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to plant and to build. Six terms to describe his ministry, four negative, two positive. They're agricultural, architectural terms and agricultural terms. I, I called you to uproot like a plant, to tear down like a building, to destroy and overthrow. Those are negatives. Then the architectural term, to build and to plant. Four negative terms, two positive terms. And sometimes in our ministry, we have to do the negative and the positive. We have to tear things down, uproot things, build things, and plant things. And so what he's going to say here is, is in essence, is this. Is uh, you're going to be a prophet of doom and hope. Now, if God said, hey, I got a job for you. I want you to be a prophet of doom. I mean, you want to sign up for that one. I like the prophet of hope thing, but the prophet of doom thing, I could just skip on that one. He says, no, I want you to be a prophet of doom, prophet of hope. I want you to, 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 to tear down and, and to build up as well. And so he was upfront about the call that God had given to him in the work. And one of the things to recognize then is that he began to do this. And you can see in his message, there's where these messages of uprooting and tearing down, destroying and overthrowing, and also building a hope. And he came to a time in his, uh, in his uh, ministry, in Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 and 8, where, where he just got burned out. If you have your text, you can read, read it, Jeremiah 20, verse 7 and 8. Uh, uh, Jeremiah was frustrated because in, uh, he had been imprisoned, he had been beaten, and he'd been placed in chains. That's the story in Jeremiah 20, verses 1 through 6. So after verse 7, he, he, at verse 7, he's just very frustrated. In fact, he's mad at God. And this is what he says in verse 7, Jeremiah 20. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. Yeah, God, you tricked me. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. And he came to a point where he just wanted to quit and throw it in. When I was pastoring in Arkansas, uh, there was a buddy of mine who was a pastor in in another church. And uh, he got so burned out in ministry, he quit. And there was this new little business, storefront business that opened in our community in Salem Springs, Arkansas. And he got on the ground floor of this new business. And I remember talking to him one time, and I was really frustrated that time in ministry. I was really tired. And, and he said to me, he says, I think this business is going to do pretty well. If you want to join me, you can get in on the ground floor because we're opening uh, places all over uh, the northwest Arkansas area. And I remember going, this might be a good chance. I think I've had enough of this pastoral stuff. I think I, I, could, I could just get in this business and make a living for my family. Uh, the business was AT&T, wireless phones. I think they've done okay. And I remember thinking, do I want to go into that? And I came back, no, this is my call. This is what I'm called to do. And, and, and I felt like Jeremiah in, in verses 7 through 8, but then verse 9 says, but if I say I will not mention his word, 
or speak any more in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And that's the way the word of God is. And the reason I stayed is because of that Holy Spirit fire that I have to do what God has called me to do. I am so thoroughly, thoroughly grateful and thankful that I don't own and operate an AT&T wireless business. That God in his preservation kept me from making a mistake. And I'm so thankful that now, a few decades later, I continue to do what God's called me to do because I am a pastor called by God to serve at the Evangelical Free Church of America. Of Bozeman, excuse me. That's what I do. This is where I serve. And that is empowering and that is energizing. And in the process of you clarifying your call, you're going to have to overcome some of those things too. And experience the fear, the sense of inadequacy are common experiences that keep you from fulfilling what God has called you to do in your greater purpose. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a personal God who personally calls us into your ministry. Understanding your call, your will, is confusing at times. But you are trustworthy, and eventually you bring clarity to us, and we trust you in that. Holy Spirit, work in our lives. Strengthen us in those areas of of fear. May we recognize your presence and your power within us. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us an awareness of your capacity to speak and use us in spite of our weaknesses. And may we glory in our weaknesses so that we'll glory in you. And may we fulfill the work you've set before us. And may we bring honor and glory to your holy name. And Father, we we thoroughly thank you for calling us. You called us to salvation, and you call us to ministry. And it's a privilege to serve you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.